Moses was old. How old was Moses when the burning bush talked to him? 80. He was 80. 40 when he left Egypt, ran for the hills, murdered a guy, uh, midlife crisis. Then he ran, and 80, the bush starts talking to him. So God picked an old guy to do quite a job. And I remember reading a quote by Chuck Swindoll about the value of old age. He said this, Remember, older people are worth a lot more than younger folks. They have silver in their hair, gold in their teeth, stones in their kidneys, lead in their feet, and gas in their gut. We're worth a whole lot. (laughs) God sees value in age, wisdom. And God, when he needed a man to go down to Egypt to rescue a million slaves from bondage, he picked the old guy. Wise, weather-worn, street smart, tough. Uh, And however old you are, however old I am, God's got work for us to do. We've been asking the question the first seven weeks in the life of Moses, what is God's plan for our life? How do we find it? We've uh, already been through six. Make sure you catch those online on the app. Uh, You missed a lot if you haven't heard those, but we've learned so much about how to find God's will for our lives. Today, we're going to see that Moses is still doubting. We began last week by looking at doubts. I don't know what to say, right? And today we're continuing at that idea of doubts. The title of today's sermon is, But I'm Not Fill in the Blank. Moses didn't want to go, didn't want to follow God's plan for his life, and his excuse was, uh, But I'm not fill in the blank. He saw his own limitations and thought, How could I do this? I'm not ready, there, able. I'm, and what do we do when we face our own limitations? Uh, <clears throat> what do we do with our, our doubts and self-doubts? We are going to dig into that today. At the end of this sermon, we're going to do something interesting that we did last week, too. We're going to leave time for Q&A. Uh, last week and this week, we've faced the reality that if we want to represent the Lord and speak on His behalf, it's good if we get our questions answered. If, it's good if we learn how to manage our own doubts and the doubts of others. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm not even a Christian, and you've got questions. Hey, I'd encourage you to write them down, and at the end, you can ask. Uh, Maybe you're a Christian, you're like, I just don't know how to talk to somebody about their objection, and I'd love to know how I can do that. Um, So write down your questions, and at the end of the service, we'll leave about 15 minutes where you can ask anything, but you have to be nice, because it's my birthday. Deal? (laughs) Deal. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get into the book of Exodus together. Father, we thank you that you picked an old guy, a doubter, somebody who talks to you like we would talk to you, somebody who wants to serve you but isn't quite sure it will work. Thank you for Moses. Thank you for his humanity, his humility. We pray that through his life you would speak to us and show us your will, how we can discern it, and how we can represent you uh, before others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles up to Exodus 4. You're going back to 1500 B.C. Uh, We are standing in the middle of nowhere with Moses, uh, Midian. He's by Sinai. And uh, nothing eventful has ever happened here up to this point. So here we are, Sinai. There's a million Israelites enslaved in Egypt. And Moses tried to set them free kind of uh, 40 years ago, and it failed. Here he is. Uh, So check out the conversation that's going on in chapter 4, verse 10. God just told Moses, hey, I'm going to prove your message is true. Moses threw his stick on the ground, it turned into a snake, and then he 
Uh, God gave him leprosy and took it away, showed his power over sickness, and gave Moses the ability to do signs and wonders to persuade the Pharaoh to let the people go. God even promised to turn the Nile water to blood, and yet still Moses was doubting. He still wasn't ready to go. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if I go to my family party this Christmas, uh, which I have a lot of unbelievers in my family, and I could throw a broomstick on the ground and get it to turn into a snake and then pick it back up and it turns back into a stick, I think I'd get a better hearing from them on my faith, right? Moses still wasn't ready to go. He was still doubtful. So the conversation continues in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Let's pick that apart. Moses said to the Lord. He's talking to the Lord. Therefore, God is personal, and yet he's the Lord over all. We see here that the Lord, who has all authority in heaven, all authority over you, summons you to his purposes. Oh, my Lord. Uh, If you want to find God's will for your life, it starts when you realize that God's will for your life is not you. If your plan for your life is you, God will never get on board with that plan. If you think God's just going to come alongside your life, your plan, your dreams, your goals, and just stamp it uh, and be your little sidekick like he's sitting in the sidecar and you're driving the motorcycle, you will live a life alone and God will not involve himself in that. He's the Lord. You get involved in his work. He summons you to his service. The truth is, if you want to know God's plan for your life, it begins when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're living a life without a Lord, God's not leading you. God wants you to find salvation by asking Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. Then you live for the glory of another. If your life plan is named you, your life plan will fail. But if your life revolves around the Lord, Jesus Christ, He will guide you and give you a purpose. Oh my Lord. Do you have a Lord? And then he says, Oh my Lord, I am not. And that's what we say. I am not. And he's about to tell God what he's not. Let's call that the gap. Jot this down. How do I deal with the gap? How do I deal with the gap between a holy God who calls me to serve him and and asks me to be things and asks me to do things that I'm not ready to do. How how do I deal with the gap? Uh, I'm here, I should be there as a father. I'm here, I should be there as a student. I'm here, I want to be there uh, as... How do I deal with the gap? God is calling us forward, commanding us and challenging us to do things and be things that we're not yet, things we can't do yet. And uh, what do you do when your strength runs out? What do you do when your wisdom is gone? What do you do when your talent comes to an end? What do you do when the love in your heart for a difficult person is over and you know God still has expectations on your life? Let's call that the gap. What do you do when you walk up to the gap? I'd like to suggest that you should invite God to the gap. You should bring God to your gap and say, I'd like to bring you here to show you that I know I should be there, but I'm here and I need you to lead me forward. 
Uh, Lauren and I went to the Grand Canyon before several times. Here's a picture of it. What a gap! And imagine trying to get from the south rim where we are to the north rim. I mean, you're talking quite a trek. Uh, you can't just jump from one place to the next, and certainly it's not going to be a, a pleasant walk from one side to the other. And here's the thing. If God says, hey, I want you to go to the other side, there's, there's a gap. And uh, are you bringing God to that edge of the cliff? Are you bringing God there and confessing to him that you need his help? How are you dealing with the gap? God likes to be invited to everything in your life. He's a good father. It's fun to get invited to things, right? It's fun to get invited to a baby shower or to a wedding. Or it's fun to get invited to a surprise party. We like getting invited. Oh, invited. You're invited. You're invited. God loves to get invited to everything in your life. And he leaves room for invitation. Are you inviting God to the gap and talking to him about what you're not? This, by the way, is the very source of all of the addiction problems in our country right now. People hit a gap. They don't know how to move forward. They don't bring God there. And so they want it to go away. And they know who they're not. And they can't get past their past. And so what do they do? They try and make it go away. And if you're not dealing with the reality of the pain in your life, if you're trying to make the gap go away, uh, God's much better than that plan. Invite him there. Tell him the truth about who you're not. Bring your problems and your pain and your limitations to God. How are you dealing with the gap right now? Are you dealing well or are you dealing poorly with the gap? Jot this down. Know who you're not. Moses knows who he's not. He said, oh Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I'm not. This is creating a feeling of insecurity, fear of failure in Moses' heart. And he's telling God who he's not. Uh, in a sense, this is probably true. Maybe growing up, he just, scholars are wondering what he meant here. I'm not eloquent. It, it could be that he stuttered. It could be that he was an introvert. It, it could be that he just never was great in speech class, you know, like I'm not the orator. Um, it could be that it's been 40 years since he was in Egypt and he was raised high class in the palace knew the lingo, knew the values, knew the language. I mean, he may not, he, he maybe hasn't spoken Egyptian in 40 years. What would that do to you, right? So maybe he just feels like you would feel if you just spent 40 years in rural Kentucky and you were called upon to like give a speech before Congress and you're, you're talking like a trucker and you're like, I, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know. I have a niece who just went away to college. She went to Nebraska. And she came back after a month, and she's talking funny. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but in Nebraska, she lost her Chicago accent. And uh, she, she lost her Chicago accent. She's talking different. So she comes to my parents' house, and she sits down, and she starts telling us about one of her friends on Snapchat. We're like, what? What did you just say? She's like, Snapchat. We're like, Snapchat? Snapchat. We're like, you're talking funny. She's like, no, in, in Nebraska. The, Nebraska. Where are you from? We're looking at her like she's an alien. Like, what's gotten into you? And then we're like, we're like, say hat, hot. Say cat, cock. We're like, you're messed up. <laughs> Took one month and you learned how not to talk in college. Way to go. So I don't know. Maybe he's been in Midian in the middle of nowhere for 40 years. Maybe he just doesn't talk well anymore. Who knows? Point is, he's saying, I'm not 
articulate, eloquent. I'm not the one. I can't. He fears failure. Uh, we do need to admit who we're not. We have to admit who we're not. Um, the Bible seems to give us a balanced view on Moses because it does say there wasn't everyone, anyone like him powerful in word and deed. So, so God developed this in him and it became something throughout the next 40 years of his life that, that he became legendary, okay? So if you are honest and you say, Lord, I'm not, I can't do this, maybe it's an area that God's going to grow in you. Uh, it's more rare, but sometimes God calls you to do something that you'll never be good at so that he can just show off. Um, that's a little more rare. He usually does challenge you to go into an area of your strength. But, but do you know who you're not? Have you admitted who you're not? Have you talked to God about the gap? If you can't say who you aren't, you'll fail to progress. Because you'll either end up faking it uh, when you can't yet, or you'll be somebody that God never designed you to be. Because you're denying your limitations. And if you deny the gap, you won't cover it. This is great news. You don't have to be anybody other than you to serve Christ. You can work for Christ. In Acts 4.13, the disciples were hauled in front of the Sanhedrin. Picture the Sanhedrin. They were the rich, powerful rulers of the day. Dressed very nice, controlling the government and the temple. And, and they call these fishermen in for trial. And uh, they, they bring these fishermen in front of them to evaluate what they're doing. And it says here in Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were, get this, uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I mean, who are these people who are healing and teaching and doing signs and what? Them? The smelly fishermen? They haven't even completed their master's degree. They're the ones turning the world upside down? Oh, who do they think they are? See, your limitations don't limit God. Know who you're not and bring that to God. But jot this down, know who you are. Same time, Moses says, I'm not eloquent. And then he says, I am slow of speech and of tongue. And so he's feeling inadequate. Um, he's not telling God the whole story. Obviously, he could have said, well, I've been raised royalty. I know the customs and the culture, the language, the literature of Egypt, and, and I'm, you know, an Israelite, so I, I, I'm the perfect one to mediate and bridge the gap, right? He, he could have highlighted that, but instead he's focusing on who he's not and who he is in a way that tries to get him out of duty. Um, and you have to know who you are. Maybe you are shy. Maybe you're impatient or artistic. Maybe you're factual, logical. Maybe you're tone deaf. Maybe you're nervous. Maybe you're, who knows, personable. Or But know who you're not. Know who you are. And if you will bring God with you to the gap, then he'll help you process where he's taking you. But he will call you to go where you don't feel ready to go. He'll call you to be who you don't feel you can be. That's the gap. Number one, how do I deal with the gap? Number two, jot this down. Live like God created you to serve him. God created you to serve him. Here's the Lord's response in verse 11. 
Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who has made him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So God says, he takes personal responsibility for making Moses' mouth. I gave you those lips. Who made man's mouth? And limitations. Who makes, him, who makes man mute or speak? And then he moves on to other body parts or blind or sight or who gives him hearing. Like God is taking personal creative responsibility for giving Moses his eyes, his ears, his lips, his tongue. I made that. I made that. And Moses is using the creation of God to talk back to the creator and say, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I made those lips, but I can't. You see how irrational and unfounded it is when we use what God gave us to tell him what he can't do? Oh, Lord, I can't. What a contradiction. God could do anything through us. We have to live like God created us to serve him. He made you. He knit you together. He knows everything about you. He knows your year, your make, your model. He knows that. He knows your age. Someone come up to me at the end of the first service and said, you know, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, you were middle-aged when you turned 35. I'm sorry no one told you that. I said, what? He said, you were middle-aged from 35 on. 35 to 65 is middle-aged. And I was like, well, great. Now I know. God knows your age. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He also approved your disabilities, your deficits, your setbacks. He knows your food quirks. He knows all of it. And when he calls you to serve him, those limitations don't limit him. They don't. It's important to know who you are. God made you, and he can use you. Uh, earlier this week, we got new phones, and, uh, and so on my new phone, some things got deleted. And one of the things that got deleted was my Bitmoji. Who has the app Bitmoji on their phone? What you get to do is you get to make a cartoon you, which is pretty cool. But you got to start from scratch and pick like face shape, body type, hair color, eye shape, all of it. And you know, as you're going through it, most of what you're doing is looking at that thing and you're like, nope, 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 not me, uh-uh, not me, uh-uh. And it's amazing how little things create a whole different person. So I got my new Bitmoji done. You can tell me if I did well. Here's my, my Bitmoji. Good. Thumbs up if I got it right. Thumbs down if I need to reevaluate. Go ahead. Give me that right now. Thumbs, gray in the beard. Yeah, they don't have that option. All right. Thumbs up. Overall, thumbs up. But if I just change one thing, face shape, check it out. Look at what it changes. Yeah. Uh, that's no longer me. If I apply a different face shape, to the Bitmoji. And listen, you are you, hand-carved, one of a kind, and God knows who you are, uh, and God knows who you're not. You can't use that as an excuse to fail to serve Christ. He created you to serve Him, and He made you you for a reason. Last week, I shared an acronym called SHAPED. Do you know how you're shaped to serve God? Check it out. You can write these down in your bulletin, but Shaped, uh, the first word is spiritual gifts, uh, and the first letter forms the word shaped. Do you know your spiritual gifts? Uh, if you don't, the way you find them is spiritual gifts are given to you to serve others. So if you start serving others in the church, you will find your spiritual gifts. Two categories are usually speaking gifts, serving gifts, 
Speaking gifts are like evangelism, uh, preaching, teaching, uh, encouragement. Serving gifts are more like helping. Serving gifts are, uh, you know, where, where you're putting the hands and feet uh, for Christ to serving other people, um, you know. And so whatever gift you have, do you know? Do you know if you have the gift? Uh, and next is your heart. Uh, what makes your heart beat faster? What burdens you in the world? What passions do you have? There's only a few things in your heart that, that you have inexhaustible energy for. Um, and, and maybe it's humanitarian things like uh, adoption or orphan care. Maybe it's um, something like, you know, uh, life and, and, and you want to advocate for life. Maybe you're more of a truth person and you're like, people need to know the theology. They, people don't know God anymore, right? Maybe you have a heart for people to learn God's word, whatever it is. Your heart makes you unique. Next, abilities. What you can and can't do is very important. Usually God wants you to do things you can do with excellence. Sometimes, rarely, God will call somebody to be like a preacher or a speaker, and they're not really gifted at it. But God brings so much fruit, it's amazing. But usually he wants you to do what you're good at doing for him. There was, uh, in another church, another harvest, there was somebody who tried out for the worship team and wasn't good at singing at all. So they told this guy, sorry, you just, you can't be on the worship team. You don't have the skill. So he said, all right, fine, I'll join the tech team. He joins the tech team. And one morning, they caught him with a microphone in the back, singing over the speakers with the worship team. I mean, talk about not letting others limit you. Uh, I, I mean, dude, learn who you're not, all right? Figure it out. They told you you don't belong on the worship team, and you just won't give it up. So he got taken off the tech team. Uh, Know your abilities and don't waste, don't waste time trying to be things you're not meant to be. Right? Another way to put it is don't waste time trying to teach a T-Rex how to play harmonica. Right? It's never going to work. Can't even get his mouth down to the... And, and you get that? It's descriptive. Maybe you're forcing something that was never meant to be. And I would just exhort you to let that go. Uh, live like God created you to serve him. Your spiritual gifts, your heart burdens, your abilities next to your personality. It's always good if you line up your work for Christ with your personality type. If you're super extroverted, you're going to want to be around people. Probably not the best idea to put you in an office with spreadsheets all by yourself for five hours a day. Uh, if you're an introvert, you're probably not going to do announcements, right? Or um, lead the games for Awana, you know? Uh, so... Yes, you can challenge yourself and grow, but know who you are. Experiences is the last one shaped. Um, you have lived things that other people haven't. You have a unique life story. And yeah, maybe if you were the author of your life, you would have left some chapters out. But God is writing an amazing story. And the best stories you've ever read have... High points, low points, unexpected twists, pain, suffering, redemption, uh, growth, long periods of time that seems wasted. That God is an amazing author who's writing an awesome story worth reading. Your experiences give you a unique voice and shape you to serve Him. 
shaped. Do you know how you are shaped? Do you know your shape? When you know who you are and the fact that God created you to serve him, um, then you have to determine how to align your life. What do you live for? What do you live for? What fills your life with purpose? Why do you do it? Is it, well, it's just for family, not enough. Well, I just get the bills paid and do my job, not enough. Why do you even live? Uh, You were made for more than all of it. Well, I just need to take it easy. I need to find myself some leisure and I need to, listen, listen, you're not living for yourself. You were made to live for the glory of a king named Jesus. That's why you're here. That's why you draw breath right now that he grants you to glorify him in everything. And you don't need to fly to another country to do that. You can do that right where you are in the skin you're in, living for him. But you can't live for yourself and him at the same time. To live is Christ. Moses walked away from a sweet life, pampered in the palace, best food only, gold everywhere. He said no, because he wanted his life to serve a greater purpose. Only he didn't know how to make that happen. So he tried and failed and then ended up nowhere. Now God's sending him back. He finally gets his opportunity to truly make a difference with his life. But he's nervous. Live like God created you to serve him and make any sacrifice he requires to do so. Number one, how do I deal with the gap? Know who you're not. Know who you are. Live like God created you to serve him. Know your shape. Number three, Witness for Christ because God will speak through you. It says in verse 12, verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. It's a very picturesque way to say this. I will be with your mouth. You can draw some fantastic prayers from this verse. Parents, pray that God would be with your children's mouth. Spouses, wives, pray that God would be with your husband's mouth. Churchgoers, pray that God would be with your pastor's mouth. I, I trust he is right now. Why would you come to church if he wasn't? If I was just up here making stuff up or trying to amuse or educate you, I hope you're here right now because you believe God has things to say to you and that he can talk to you through me. God's going to talk to people through Moses. I will be with your mouth. And that same promise is for you. When you speak for him, he will be with your mouth. Witness for Christ because God will speak through you. It's so amazing when after a sermon someone comes up to me and they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, what? How did you know that that's what I needed to hear? Or they'll say, you've been listening to our conversations, haven't you? Or they'll say, you've been reading my emails, haven't you? Because that's exactly what I needed to hear. And and I'm just going to publicly announce now. We've kept the secret for a long time, but I have. I have been reading all of your emails. (laughs) And I've been listening to all of your phone conversations. We've had a harvest hacking team for the last five years. And so... If you'd like to work for Christ, you can join the Harvest Hacking Team today. (laughs) That's ridiculous, right? 
When people come up to me and they're like, how did you know? I was, I was talking about that earlier this week at work and now you're preaching on it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not that smart. So how do you think it happened? And it's because God has the ability to weave all of our lives together in a way where you hear from him. And any preacher who opens this book proclaims the authority of God's word without apology, right, will be used of the Lord. And you will hear from God in what I'm saying. Hallelujah. That's amazing. And even better, if you represent him with your words, people can hear God through you. Wow. God promises to speak through us. So witness for Christ because he will speak through you. Jot this down. He'll teach you what to say. It says here, the Lord says, uh, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you should speak. Uh, God will teach you what to say. I want you to have confidence that you can have great spiritual conversations with others. You can. God can use you. Um, there's a few ways this can happen. The Bible highlights spirit-led conversations where you're not ready for the conversation. And you really don't know what to say. And you haven't really studied the topic. But guess what? The Spirit speaks through you anyway. It says in Mark chapter 13, verse 11, Jesus said, And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you're to say. Say whatever is given you in that hour, for it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. You can be confident that if this is an abrupt conversation you haven't really studied for, the Spirit can still speak through you. I've had Spirit-led conversations. I visited people in the hospital, uh, one guy in particular who was really old, and I knew this could be the last time he heard the gospel. And I have my ways that I share the gospel. And I had my plan. And I went in there. And the conversation went completely differently than I had planned. And I had never felt the absolute presence of the Spirit guiding my every word like I had felt that. And in addition, I had never seen, it was almost visible to watch the Lord direct the other person's response. And at the end of that conversation, I knew that what he needed to hear was said. And a few days later, he got saved. He was in his 90s. And that was a spirit-led conversation. And you'll have those. You'll have those. You'll be like, I don't even know why I said that. But then it was exactly what that person needed to hear. Now, some people think that's the only type of conversation the Bible applauds. You know, but it's not. The Bible gives a lot of value to people who seek wisdom, search for it like silver, who get the answers, right? Apollos in the New Testament was powerful in word in public debate so that no one could refute his arguments meaning he had done his homework, okay? Uh, and God wants you to be able to know your faith so that you can defend it. We put resources in your hands so that you feel more confident in your spiritual conversations. And uh, we've got, right now, we, we have a bookstore challenge. How many of you are doing the bookstore challenge right now? How many of you are doing the bookstore challenge? All right, so here's the challenge. You read three books by January 15th from our bookstore. Not booklets, books. All right, thicker than your pinky. Uh, and, and then you get to come to a deep dish pizza party with me. We're calling it the Harvest Payless Book It Program. Because I grew up in the 80s. How many of you did book it when you were uh, a kid? Right? You read a book, you get pizza. We're bringing it back. So it's back. So if you read three books from our bookstore between now and January 15th, you can come to the deep dish pizza party. We have books in our bookstore that are designed to give you more confidence in sharing your faith. 
So you should go for that. And listen, God will teach you what to say. Um, He'll teach you in the moment, and he'll teach you through your study. What's really highlighted here is God was literally telling Moses what to say, and Moses had the freedom to meet with God. But you don't have that. So you might be like, well, how is he going to teach me what to say? What he's highlighting here is the presence of God in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit in your heart, if you're a saved believer, the Holy Spirit in your heart is constantly leading and guiding you in your speech. Um, When you read your Bible, the Spirit ministers to you. Do you know that? The Spirit is right there. And the Spirit illuminates the text, which means He teaches you how it applies to your life and how it applies to those around you. Uh, The Spirit helps you to apply and understand God's Word. That's God teaching you what to say. Uh, And God is very active in you learning and sharing His Word. I've had so many witnessing opportunities in the past with everybody from a Hindu taxi driver to an Atlanta Uber driver to a Jehovah's Witness in the Starbucks to an engineer in the Grand Canyon. I've had great spiritual conversations. You can too. Um, He will teach you what to say. Jot this down. Because he is with you, you will succeed. Because he, it's not your giftedness, it's not your study. Because he is with you, you will succeed. I want to close with a great quote, a couple of quotes I read this week. The first one by George MacDonald says this, Whatever man does without God must either fail miserably or succeed more miserably. Whatever man does without God must either fail miserably or succeed more miserably. Meaning, do it with God, for God, and he will speak through you. Try it without him, and it's going to go bad. And the last quote was from a guy named Kerry Newhoff today. Pastor Mark posted this on Facebook. He said this, The idea that God would use you and me is pretty amazing. He had better options. (laughs) Amen? I want you to have confidence that God has called us to be his messengers. He wants you to share the truth of the gospel to the ends of the earth. He can use you and me.